Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're here today with Jeremy McManus. He is the general manager of Neo Metals. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Matt. Ever here for the one-to-one? I am, yep. Had some other business in Germany and just arrived. That's right. So what were you doing in Germany? Uh, so Neo Metals, part of our business relates to lithium-ion battery recycling. Yep. So there was an event there that we spoke at and got a bit of a, a sense of what all the other players are doing and what industry is looking for. Oh, let's come back to that in a minute. So kick off with a one-minute summary of the business yep. for people new to this story, and then we'll kind of come back to certainly that topic in a few more. So Neo Metals is Australian listed company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially a project development business. So it's not a mining company per se. Mm-hmm. Our focus, it's diversified asset base, but the focus has a central thread to it, which really is around minerals and materials. And I say materials because we're value adding and downstream targeting, mm-hmm. um, specifically to do with electric vehicles and the energy storage thematic, if you like. So that, right. that ties it all together right. on a range of different commodities and, and what have you. But there's three core projects that we're really focused on. Okay, so we'll get into those. You made your money in mining, but you're not a miner now. So you made a lot of money in mining. Do you want to give us a quick highlight yeah. of? Not a miner per se. We have upstream right. mineral projects mm-hmm. that, you know, hopefully Touchwood will become mining projects for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but yeah, where the money came from, the balance sheet that we have is uh, the last quarter. It was about 107 million Australian dollars. Useful. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that came from we originally had the Mount Marion lithium mine, we developed it, we brought in a couple of billion dollar partners, they earned their equity, one of them bought the equity, the other one built the project and operated it for us. And we, so we sold down our position over time, we started accruing a cash balance, we returned money to shareholders along the journey, and then in February we sold the last circa 14%. Right. Okay. So as a result, we've managed to pay some dividends over a period, which makes us a little bit different from some of our peer group. It, it does. Very yep. popular, I'm sure, with your shareholders. Um, so let's, let's talk about those three projects. If you can just sort of highlight those, and then we'll, I guess, come back to your primary focus, which is the battery recycling. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll, then I'll touch on the recycling mm-hmm. insofar as to say it's a, uh, it's a technology that, that we own, we developed it. Um, the idea is that we can recover critical metals, valuable metals from those batteries mm-hmm. um, and sell them as chemical products back into the battery chain. Right. So that's that's, one. that's happening and you know that's at pilot stage we have a partner. The other one, and that's that's probably the, the core focus. We'll spend some time in a minute yep. on that. Then the other two, um, we have the Barambi Vanadium and Titanium project in WA. It, it's a really big project. We own it 100%. Mm-hmm. We've spent some 30 million Australian dollars on it. Over a, over a long period of time, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's probably the world's second highest titanium grade resource. Right. So we see that as strategically really interesting, and and the devil in the detail is is probably you have the benefit of having vanadium and titanium co-joined, if you mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Um, and we've just been working hard to figure out the best way to extract both in oh. a flow sheet, and right. we're, we're working on that now. Okay. Third project. Third project. Um, is a lithium hydroxide project from the sale of Mount Marion. Earlier this year, we got a bunch of cash, $104 million. But we also got an offtake option, an annual option for roughly 60,000 tonnes of spodumene 
concentrate. Right. Right. So that's valuable because, you know, what do you do with that? Um, it comes from Australia for one, so it's a tier one jurisdiction. Um, at the moment, there's too much supply. Mm -hmm. In the future, we believe just having access to the raw material is valuable. For now, not so much. But really, the benefit of having that is that the material's been qualified. So if you've got an iPhone, it has a little piece of Mount Marion in it, guaranteed, because mm -hmm. we know that that's where the material ended up in the supply chain with Foxconn. Um, and as a result, we know we can turn it into chemicals. Right, okay. So you, you, you're developing those, the two, the uh, vanadium titanium and the, the, the spodumene project, yep. but they're not core focus. You, you, they will be monetized at some point. Yep. Your co core focus, which I do want to spend a bit of time on today, is the battery recycling. Clearly, very topical, thematic. Yep. Everyone's trying to link whatever they do to the EV revolution. Yep. You, you're coming at it, I'm, why I'm interested is because it's kind of, uh, sort of almost at the back end, isn't it? It's people are talking about what's going into batteries, you're talking about getting stuff out of batteries. Yep. Right, so what is this proprietary IP that you have? And where are you, where are you with it? Sure. Yeah, no, so that's exactly right. And I've got a, a diagram that I'm talking to in the presentation right. at this conference right. that, that shows there's a loop and it comes back at the end. Um, so essentially what we have is a, is a flow sheet which we designed to extract cathode and electrode minerals and turn them into chemicals. Mm -hmm. So we're going an extra step and refining the material so we can sell it straight back into the battery supply chain. Okay. It's patent pending. Right. It's novel and that's great, but I think half of the opportunity here is in the business model. So mm -hmm. the technology is one thing, yep. but without the business model, you would struggle. Um, so a stage of development's being piloted in Canada. Everything's going great guns. You pull the metals out sequentially in a leaching process. Right. So we've pulled out copper, cobalt, manganese. We've had great results so far. And what remains is the nickel and the lithium to finish the pilot study. Um, but that will essentially be a trigger for us with our partnership with the SMS group right. to continue to the next stage. Okay, so let me understand that. So you, you've got a, a process, which as you say, that's just admin in a way, without the business model. Can you explain the business model a bit, bit further? You know, you've, got, you've got a pilot plant or pilot pr um, project on yep. at the moment to work out if you're extracting it efficiently. Where do you get the supply from? If this thing works, who are you partnering with? Yep. How do you finance it? You know, how do you feed these batteries into your, into your system? Yep. So I might even take one step further back from that. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the way this actually works is it's a two-stage process. So the first stage, assuming that you have the feed, yeah. you can put in a range of different chemistries in different formats. So mm -hmm. consumer electronics, mm -hmm. think phone batteries, laptops, etc., and that's high in cobalt, or vehicle batteries, right. nickel, metal, cobalt, NCA. So we've designed it broad. It's taken a while, but we've done it properly. Mm -hmm. um, once you shred the batteries, we've developed that process. It's probably not patentable, but there's know-how and it's taken us a long time. Okay. That's the first step. You recover the, the metals, you, the casing, the plastic, the, the foils in the batteries, and that goes to a home, a recycling home. Mm -hmm. Then you have a black mass which you can travel with if, if you choose. So this is where the business model comes in. Because the batteries are a storage fire risk and a transport fire risk, mm -hmm. if you can neutralize them if you like in one location, yep. then you've got the luxury of moving them anywhere you like. 
And our intention then in a hub and spoke approach is to send them to a central hub. And that's, that's, a bit, and that's the second stage of the process where that black mass goes in. Mm-hmm. It's a hydromet leaching process and you have a pregnant liquor that you just extract the metals one by one in stages. Right. And you refine them so you can sell them back to the supply chain. Okay, so so I get that. You've explained the process there. Yep. What I'm interested in is the business. How do you commercialize it? So, are you going to pay for the development of this? Yep. Are you partnering with people? How does it get into that ecosystem, as it were, where you're you're monetizing your technology? Yeah. So the, the trick with all of this, with the upstream minerals projects, is you have resources, you own them, they're there in the ground. Mm-hmm. With this, the resource are spent batteries right. at end of life or this production scrap. Right. So that's the target. So where do they come from? Where do they come from? Um, they come from cell manufacturers, so scrap from cell manufacturers. Right. Anyone who's deemed a producer in the EU and Europe Right. Um, has a responsibility that they can't shirk. They must recycle the batteries. So the feed material comes from cell manufacturers, from the guys that pack those cells that have waste material, then from the auto manufacturers, whether it be warranty or maybe eight years down the track at end of life. Yeah. And they will either be dealt with by the auto manufacturer themselves or they'll go, essentially go to a scrapyard, an aggregator, Right, and there's another feed source. So, what do you do? Are you getting contracts with all the auto manufacturers or the, you know, with this aggregator? Yep. Have you got to sign a whole bunch of contracts here? Is that the process, or yep. do you have a sort of simpler we want to make way it, of getting? Yeah, we want to make it simpler than that. So, right. what we've done is is we've been talking for a long time with a big German group, a metallurgical plant company called SMS. Right. Privately owned company. You got, got an MOU with them. At got the an MOU. Right. Okay. Um, so, so th- how do you move it from an MOU to where you want to be next? Right, and that and that will be a joint venture with them, right. where they're committing hurt money, if you like, in the eyes of investors. So we have an MOU now where they complete their due diligence. They have an exclusive period, a short one at that, mm-hmm. to complete the diligence, and they've been doing a lot already. Mm-hmm. And that'll be based on the pilot results. So we're piloting in Lakefield, Canada. Yeah, it's 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 almost complete. Come December. We write a report, oh, we send it to the Germans and, and uh, touch wood, we enter a JV. What happens then is we share the costs on a demonstration plant. Equitable? Sharing the cost okay. completely. Okay. They have, SMS have permitted sites available and that's important and they have boots on the ground, mm-hmm. which again, for a West Australian company, that, that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, with a view to then sharing the costs on a feasibility study using the data from our pilot and then we come away with a view to making an investment decision at the end of the year. But in parallel, you're figuring out exactly where the feed material's coming from together. Okay. Um, offtakes, arrangements, partnerships, because it might be that you buy feed from someone, it might be that you provide a service and there's no cost for acquiring those cells and you might share the economics. Right. Um, but ultimately we make money by providing a recycling service either by ourselves or in partnership. And at the back end, we sell the chemical products to the value chain. And that could be to a chemical company or straight back yeah. to the guy that gave us the cells because he needs to close the loop on what he's doing. That's interesting, that's interesting. So you mentioned a phrase earlier, uh, spoken hub, Yep. right? So that says to me that the 
I mean, you've got to watch the cost there, right? So you can't, the, these satellites can't yeah. be expensive to set up on their own, own right. So it, it suggests that it's quite a sort of cheap and quick and easy yeah. thing to do. So where, how do you work out where to locate these satellites? This, well, I mean, in terms of the cost, yeah. roughly, if, if you said to yourself, it's 5% of the total capital cost to do a spoke, a shredding facility. Right. So it's, it's much smaller money. So you, and it can be containerized and you can locate that Nice. in multiple locations right. to feed a central hub. So where would you do it? Ideally, you do it right next door to the guy with the problem. And that's, he has the feed supply, mm -hmm. he has a regulatory commitment, or he has a fire risk, or whatever the circumstance right. stance may be. But ideally, you would be getting your cells initially from a cell manufacturer mm -hmm. who has an awful lot of scrap right now. You don't have to wait eight years for the feed supply, because there's a lot of conjecture okay. about yeah. There won't be a market for this yet, surely, because yeah. no, we're not driving the vehicles. And the answer is, it exists because they're making the cells. Yeah. And they're what are they doing with them now? Do, do, do they recycle? There's a recycling business today. Does that exist? Yeah, there right? is. Yeah. So, so what, what are you doing? So that's so different. <clears throat> what we're doing that's different. So okay. So what happens today is you've got a couple of companies that use a pyrometallurgical tech. Mm -hmm. They throw cells into a kiln. They contain the explosions, and what you get is a mixed metal button, if you like. Okay. It's base metal recovery. And a lot of the other material gets wasted. It's not truly recovered. You lose the lithium, etc. Okay. Okay. Um, so what we're doing is a hydrometallurgical route where you look to get more than 90% of those yeah. ingredients back. So it's greener, it's sustainable for one, but it allows you to actually target all the materials. And that's valuable to the guy with the feed because he needs to be seen to yeah. be closing the loop on his supply chain. And some of those minerals that go up the stack are valuable. Interesting, interesting. so it's a, it's a greener solution, that, which again, has got to be a good thing for, for automotives looking for, for angles in terms of recycling. Um, I'm really fascinated by the business model because you, you guys have kind of created a little ecosystem of some quite smart people who yeah. solve complex problems. That's what, the way I, I read it, okay? Um, so with these, with the, I want to talk about the satellite thing. So, are you licensing out your IP for other people to operate, or do you want to own and operate these on behalf of other people? You know, yep. white label it uh, as it were. How, how are you thinking? Look, we're very flexible yeah. in terms of because I don't think you can be too set in your ways mm. to get a foothold in this sector. Right. Um, so absolutely, we're open to the concept of licensing, but in an ideal world with a big partner like SMS, you now have the wherewithal to go to a cell maker or a vehicle manufacturer who might have otherwise said, look, how are you going to build it? Who's going to operate it? Who's going to maintain it? So we have an answer for that now. Mm. Ideally, you could target a very big cell manufacturer or car company and just target that initially and, and show the market that you know what you're doing, you do a good job. So we would ideally have mm. those satellites ourselves, but it's not to say that that model could change in a number of different ways. Because obviously you want to capture as much of the value as possible, yep. and shareholders want to hear that. But at the same time, you don't necessarily want to be an, an operator. Don't necessarily right. want to be an operator because um, you want to move on to the next project. Well, there's there's a lot of smart people. Yeah, that can operate kit like this. SMS can do it. You know, mm. there's there's companies all around the globe. You think about people like Veolia and others. This yeah. is what they do. It's their bread and butter. So no, we don't have the bandwidth to be operating plants. Yeah. ourselves with a 30 strong team in West Perth. That's what I mean. It's a very different company, right? No, but this is the concept is it's yeah. quite literally, it's a project development business where 
you know, we bring these different parties together and in essence that's kind of the strength. No, I, you know, I, I get that. I mean, I always sort of jokingly say to some CEOs, you know, if it wasn't for people, business would be easy. Yeah. So, you know, building up a, you know, thousands of people, net, um, uh, employing thousands of people, it, it, it has its challenges. It does. It has its challenges. Um, okay, so you, if we can sort of um, talk about some of the numbers, you've got a bunch of cash. You're yeah. over 100 million Aussie. That mm -hmm. gives you options, right? But I get people want to know, that you're not burning your way through this. Can, yeah. you, can you give us a sort of sense of some of the numbers, you know, to develop the, the pilot and so forth, you're, I assume, not burning a lot of money because you're, you're gonna be doing a joint venture, you've, you've, you've said to me. Yep. Um, your burn rate, you've told me previously, is you know, reasonably low, you've just got 30, 30 people. Yep. Um, how, how, do, how do you assure people that you're kind of not gonna waste this 100 million bucks yep. and uh, fritter it away? Yep, absolutely. So that is important. And a lot of the projects are in the in the midst of these feasibility and engineering studies. So mm -hmm. to talk specifically about the numbers, obviously prefer to wait till the reports come out. Sure. But yeah, there's definitely a rigour in what we do in mm -hmm. terms of um, being careful with the cash. So there's a balance between you must spend a certain amount of money mm -hmm. because you've got real projects. It costs money mm -hmm. to make money. But we want to get them to a point where you know, ultimately you can hand over or work with a partner and they start writing half the checks. And for us with three development projects, one that sticks its head further above the parapet than the rest, that's the point when you get to the joint venture point, I think that tells the market there's a piece of validation that these companies have verified what Near Metals is doing and they're gonna start contributing to the costs. Yeah. Um, and they, these are big companies with big balance sheets. So Absolutely. It, it, says, it says a lot that they yeah. take decisions lightly. But uh, yeah. I think there's a track record, Understood. a building track record there of actually having execution success on projects. Um, the model that we've used to have success with Mount Marion, for example, albeit a different mineral and a different stage, it's identical with the other projects in terms of, you know, we, we identify something, we, we jump on it early before it's deemed sexy, mm -hmm. spend a bit of our own money, build up the value, attract partners, which we've done with these other three projects as well. And we do that because the company's actually really quite risk averse. We wanna get the scale right, we wanna get the speed to market right, which mm -hmm. is very important with the recycling. Um, you know, and it validates what you're doing in, to the market, but it's sort of the central tenant to what we do and the board yeah. very much is driven by that. So in a different market, some people may say, oh, you know, that's too conservative. In right. a bad market, some people love that, Either way, that is the model that we use, and it's a bit different. No, it's, it's very different. I mean, and ha I mean, you're, you're you're over here. You've been mm -hmm. in Germany. You do the rounds. Um, you know, the, the, the various shows and so forth. Do people understand the story? Do, do you, it is different. Yeah. Is, is that a good thing as far as the market's concerned? It's a good thing. It's a hard thing to communicate because right. you know you're a certain market cap company, but you're diversified. So that's a mouthful in terms of the quantum of information you have to, to mm. translate. But I think if you can distill it, which we're getting much better at doing, and yeah. I think spending more time in Europe means that the European market gets a better sense of what it is exactly that business does. So that's why I was here in part, yeah. as well as speaking to end users and attending a recycling event. Actually, tell me about it. I did say I'd ask. Yeah. So you're at this event, what's, what's the mood, what's, what's the chatter about at this conference that you're at in Germany? 
So it was a it was a waste conference, if you yeah. like, that had three different streams, and okay. there was a specific battery recycling stream, mm-hmm. um, and it was focused on lithium-ion batteries as well. So it was a small-ish crowd, right, with some very big companies there. Yeah, um, I think the mood was very strong. I think no one. No one argues with the fact that cell production and gigawatt hours, there's a trend that's not going to change. There's too many big companies making big commitments that can't be reversed. Mm. Even if you and I don't drive one, I don't know if you do, but I don't. Um, So the timeline may change a little bit, but the trend will remain. I think I took that away. And I also took away that when cells are spent, you've got two options with them. And a lot of people are looking at, well, can I repurpose them and, and use it in a second life? Could I use it in home storage, for example, to yeah. support my my roof solar? Yeah. And that's absolutely a you know a thing that is happening and it's viable. Um, but I took away from that event to say there'll never be 100% of those cells used for that purpose. There's too many challenges, mm. um, you know, least, but, but not only being that, you know, if you were designing a cell for home storage, you'd actually use a different chemistry other than vehicle chemistry. So it's making something of nothing. It's great. For us, we're agnostic because at the end of the day, that cell too will die. Yeah. So. And you get to record that. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Well, like Jeremy, thanks very much for your time. It's good to see you over here in London. Thank you. I think it's one of the more interesting companies that uh, we're following at the moment. You say it's slightly different and yeah, I think it is a good thing. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.